Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Valoni. I'm your host, Mary Valoni, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Welcome to episode 158. Today we are talking with Marissa Nielsen, and we're talking about how to create a rich nonprofit. Now, Marissa is like she is super spunky. So just buckle up, okay? <laughs> she is really, really incredible. And she drops so much knowledge in this episode. And she shared so much that I couldn't just like put it in one episode. I had to put it in two. Okay, so this is a two-part conversation with Marissa Nielsen. She is the CEO of a seven-figure business, a public speaker, a coach, a philanthropist. She runs her own nonprofit. So this girl has so many hands in the kind of work that we do, but she also understands the other side of things as far as a business owner. And uh, she just is really super passionate about helping people uh, create the, the life that they've always dreamt of. And I felt like this was so important to have Marissa on because she and I clicked so quickly on the topic of ending the lack and, and scarcity mindset. And she's all about ending poverty. You know, so many of us are living in a, a state of poverty, not necessarily financially, but in a lot of areas of our lives. And so I, th- I think if, you know, if you pull anything away from our conversation, it really is that we have the ability to to create whatever we want to create. So I want to prep you, get yourself a notebook and a pen, paper, get get something out to write on uh, because these next two episodes, today's episode and the next week's episode with Marissa are going to be jam-packed, okay? All right, so let's go ahead and let's jump into this conversation I had with Marissa. Today we're talking about how to create a rich nonprofit with Marissa Nielsen. So I'm super thrilled to have Marissa on the show today. Um, Marissa is the CEO of a seven-figure business. She's a public speaker, a coach, a philanthropist, (laughs) and just like an overall incredible person. And she's from North Dakota, so that makes my heart happy. So (laughs) you guys all know, I'm from North Dakota too. So welcome to the show, Marissa. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be, you are my kind of people. So I am so excited to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Gosh, we are so lucky that we found each other because um, a mutual friend of ours, Mike, he was so kind as to make the connection, but little did we know that we actually had this North Dakota connection and um, Marissa's from Minot. I grew up in Dickinson, North Dakota and then you know went to school in, in Grand Forks. So uh, it's just been so much fun. We were just talking about the work ethic that we have and you know all the fun things about just being raised in North Dakota. But one of the things that I love so much about what you do and what you teach on is the fact that you really are helping people create a dream life. So on your homepage of your website, MarissaNielsen.com, um, you have on there, <laughs> that you help like helping you design your dream life because the world needs you rich okay tell, yes. me, more. tell me more and tell me more about yourself anything that I, I didn't fill in there <laughs> oh I'm so passionate about this subject um, and I it because it, it's my life it's my entire life and and the world needs us rich in all areas and so the four areas I you know I, I've identified with my team there are four areas of poverty 
and I, I coach and speak and train on poverty mindset, but practical steps and practical ideas to bring people out of poverty. Poverty. I was, I was raised really poor, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, but what it means for me to live a rich life and what it means for the people that I work with every day to live life rich is about really bringing it into alignment emotionally, in your relationships, spiritually, financially. These things are all connected. And as we, as we look at connecting those dots, how you, how you treat yourself, you know, you can't give what you don't have, right? And we, as a person, I'm a love warrior. I am a joy warrior. I, I will, I will storm the gates with water pistols, baby. Like I, I'm going in because we're not leaving people in a poverty mindset and poverty, you know, is, is not just, um, it's not just a financial matter. It's actually a mindset matter as well. I see very, very wealthy people, very wealthy organizations and groups that I work with that are struggling with mindset. And then I see people that don't have the financial means. And it's just really bringing those together in a connection. And so I like practical strategies to help people really connect the dots and live life rich. That is, that is why I was put on the planet. I, I believe that freedom comes when we know who we are, who we serve, and where we're going. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. So, um, obviously a lot of people who are listening in right now, they, they're running a nonprofit, of course. And, you know, yeah. so I, I'm just curious what, what you would say to a charity leader who wants to end the poverty of running from one fundraiser to the next and, and they really want to create a rich nonprofit. What do you, what would you say to them? So this is a great question because I actually, I have experience in this area as well. I have a, a nonprofit um, and in this nonprofit, one of the things that we said as a team when we came together is that we do not want to be a donation dependent ministry. We have a ministry. We have a, we have a nonprofit. Um, it, it, it's a full on nonprofit, but the, the issue is, is you're, you're living from paycheck to paycheck. And when I say paycheck to paycheck, it's somebody writing you a check to check. Right. And we didn't want to be dependent on that. So we said, how can we run it like a business? How can we run the organization from the standpoint of let's run it like a business? Because I believe in stewardship. Like I'm a steward of stewards. That is my job. I help people with everything from structures to strategies. So how do you structure the organization? How do you structure the processes? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a process person. So when I'm working with an individual today, I would say, okay, let's look at the, let's look at the inventory. What, use what we've got. And we all have something. We've all been given some form of something. Whatever that something is, we begin to start there. So the first, first thing that I would share with you is if you can think about your business, like you are managing that nonprofit as a business. And what are you producing? What are you producing? So the production side of that, you know, in our nonprofit, we have a sewing school for women. Uh, and we actually have a couple of them now. And then we have a sewing school store. And we have the ability for these, these women to come in. And we originally had to have seed money to get it going. But then from there, we took it to a whole nother level. And we said, wait a minute, what can we produce? What can we sell? What can, what can the difference in the margin here be? So that this becomes the gift that keeps on giving. It becomes the sell that keeps on giving. And in, in every in every single one, I've worked with many, many charitable organizations over the years. There's kind of, there's three places that you can leave your money when you die, which that's a little harsh, I know, but there's three places, right? Here, here it is. It's really simple. You can leave it to the IRS, you can leave it to your family, or you can leave it to a charity. And depending on the size of that person's estate, you must pick two. 
So there's a whole, I just, I literally just met in North Dakota, just met these two guys out in the middle of nowhere, hundred million dollar estate. Yeah. And I said, you know, each one of you get this much as a coupon that when you go through the checkout of life, <laughs> you get to give the coupon to the government. And then anything over and above that is taxed at 40%. Now, would you rather leave this to X number of charities of your choice or to the United States government, the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, the worst business partner you have ever had on the planet, the people that do not know how to manage their money to save their soul, like yeah. those people. What? What? I'm, I'm offending everyone right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. But, but I look at that and I go, I'm a steward of stewards, man. I've, I've been given these opportunities. And so the first thing I would say is, let's really take an inventory of what do you have and then let's look at, can, can, is there something within that organization that you can reproduce to make a business, to make a business decision with? Because donation-dependent ministries are, are man, I, I feel for you right now. If you're that person listening and you're saying, I'm running from the next paycheck to the next paycheck, just hoping I have enough to pay my bills or keep going and, you know, keep passing out what I need to pass out here today. Um, you know, catch the vision. There's a heartbeat of every organization I've worked with. There's a heartbeat. And, and whether you're in a for-profit or a non-profit business today, that, there's a heartbeat. So what's the heartbeat? And then how do we make this, you know, a, a, a business structure for something that can be produced year in, year out? Now, sometimes it doesn't even have to do with that, with that business. For example, I have a client who has a recycling center today. Mm-hmm. that runs their nonprofit. So they saw a need in the community and they said, I'm going to start a recycling center. They got the funding for it, yeah. started a recycling center, but then use the profits from the recycling center to fund the ministry. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen many do that. So, Well, and a lot of people, for the most part, what they're doing is instead of doing what you're saying here about find that other thing, that product, they're creating galas, golf tournaments, five pay walks, all that kind of stuff. And so they're competing with the local concert hall down the street or the yeah. stadium or whatever the entertainment uh, industry is doing in their community. So they are doing it to some extent. They're just not doing it. That's replicatable, you know, consistently year after year after year. And that's where I think a lot of charities, you know, fall into, you know, some challenges, especially right now when you can't gather. <laughs> right. I mean, this season has just challenged everybody's thoughts on how do we keep the doors open and how do we keep funds coming in, you know, consistently when something like this happens. So what you're saying here is really, you know, it's such, I, I, so many nonprofits are going this direction where they are trying to find what is something that we can sell that will keep the funds coming in. I was talking to a guy just recently and he, they were selling candles. <laughs> like, yeah. They were selling hand sanitizer, like soap. Oh, yeah. it was soap. It was soap. They were selling, you know, just bars of soap. And I was like, how great is that right now? You know, but they were working with special needs and it was a great business. But yeah, so I, I love this idea. And I think that a lot of people are really considering this. Uh, and are you seeing with, with the nonprofit that you run year after year, yeah. you have funds ready to go for your cause? Yeah. So every, so we can help more people. It's how we, you know, we went from school one to school two to the sewing school store. Cause we said, well, what's the need? What's the need? And it wasn't just the sewing school store can be used by the 
you know, the students that come, but it also can be used by the community. So they said, you know, instead of having them having to drive five hours to the nearest, you know, big shopping facilities to get it, we brought it into the community. And now that this is where they go to buy their supplies. And so we're, we're taking it to another level and we're saying, what does the community around you need? Or what does the online community need that you can sell and produce something that they need? And so I look at, there's three ways to grow your business. And whether this is a nonprofit, a charity, or a for-profit business, there's three ways to make money. Here it is. They're, they're really like three, there's three ways to grow your business and there are three ways to make money. Three ways to make money. You can invest in your business. You can invest in someone else's business. That's, you know, say the stock market or something like that. Or you can invest in real estate. Those are three ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Then the three ways to, to grow your business, you can increase the cost of whatever the product or, or you know, situation, the, the services that you're selling. You can get more clients or you can get those clients to buy more often. So anytime, and so those, those are the three, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can get them to buy more often, so these are things that are, you know, replaceable things that they need every, think about what people need. You know, we went off the shelves, like during this, this period of unprecedented times, right? Like no one could find toilet paper. If you had toilet paper, you were doing good, right? So, so stuff like that, when you look around and you say, what do people want or need or buy every day? in a good economy or a bad economy, you don't check your bank account and, and say, oh, babe, I think I'm having a heart attack. You wait, you know, six weeks till you get your bank statement in the mail and say, can I afford to have a heart attack right now? No, you go to the hospital and, and then they, you know, they do whatever they do at the hospital because I'm not a medical person, but whatever they do there, right? Yeah. You go, you go because that's the need in that moment. So when you can meet a need as your organization um, and it, and it's, something that people consistently need. We looked around and we said, people need clothing. People are consistent. Their children are growing. They need to be clothed. They need to be fed. If you can meet especially basic needs and you can find a way to tie that in, that's huge. Sometimes I'm working with another charitable organization right now and in their nonprofit, they need help with, um, they need help with business building skills, like how to build an online business, how to get out there from a marketing standpoint, how to create your Facebook pages. And so this charitable organization who was using all these marketing campaigns to get people to come into their galas and their golf tournaments and their fundraisers, um, they, instead of using that, they went back and they said, Hey, how about if we teach budding entrepreneurs to do this, how to write an email, how to, how to launch a product online, how to do that. What if we taught them how to do it and we charged them, you know, 5,000 bucks a head to do it yeah. and people are paying it. And, there's, and I'm like, how long does it get someone to, how long does it take you and how much money do you have to put into it to get someone to write you a $5,000 check? Right. I'm just asking. Right. <laughs> now, if I could duplicate that and I could put 10 budding entrepreneurs in a room and now I can do it virtually, now I can do it virtually. You, you need a copy guy. You, got, you need a good marketing guy. You need a good, you need a good website guy. Those are the things that if you can bring those people together and you can say, listen, we put together a program and you can buy a packaged program to launch your business. These are ideas that, you know, this, this charitable organization said, we see a need. People are asking us, how do we meet the need? So ask good questions. Look around and say, what does, what do we unique? What can we, here's the question. Ready? Right. What can you uniquely teach or train someone else to do? Mm-hmm. What can your organization or your team uniquely teach or train someone else to do? Mm-hmm. 
And that becomes the business. You know, and right there, I think that that's where a lot of people who are in the nonprofit space forget that they are experts in their field. And it's, it's so easy to flip, you know, and go on the other side where you're always asking for a handout, asking for those donations, one off every year, coming back to the well, asking for more money. And instead of positioning yourself, like you're saying, like, what can you uniquely teach and train others to do? And so I've just been super inspired by some of my clients recently who are just like, they're they're like, you know what? I'm done with the poverty stuff. I'm done, you know, donation by, it's like, thank you. And so a lot of them actually have started to use their expertise to go train other leaders and to do it in the coaching space or in the consumer space where I'm like, yeah, darn right. You ran, you're running a, a nonprofit over here. You can teach a lot of those same techniques and tools over here in the business space. So, you know, just, just to even compensate, to make up for income that you might not make to, you know, in the nonprofit. So uh, that's where I was just, I, I know that our nonprofits don't pay well, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and, and a lot of the people who are listening, I mean, they're not doing it for a big paycheck. Clearly they have a heart of gold. They want so desperately to fulfill the vision and mission of their cause. And so you talk a lot about helping people obviously design their dream life. So part of that very well could be, Hey, you want to be the executive director. You want to lead that ministry. Awesome. Keep doing that. But there's no reason why people should live in this state of poverty and you did mention that that is just, you know, financially is just one of four. So I'm just curious, would you mind just sharing what are the four elements to living a rich life? And maybe, you know, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, hey, I, I feel like I'm, I am living a life of poverty and I'd like to turn that around and live a rich life. What, what elements would you encourage them to bring into their life? Yeah, so the you know financially is is one area. You you got we've got to be we've got to be stewards, right? Yeah. And then there's there's a few other ones, and 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 of course in uh, you know charitable organizations, ministry work, the spiritual alignment of that. There is a there's a piece. Now I know I'm I'm probably speaking to a, a large faith based you know community here today, um, <clears throat> and I am you know, I'm a person of faith. And so I just tell people, bottom line is this is who I am. This is how we do it. Uh, But when you begin to really listen to that voice, there is a spirit of lack in the world around us. And especially for, for people that are in positions like they're an executive director or they're a ministry leader. And it's almost like they say to you, well, you can't live a, a rich lifestyle because you're taking away from someone else. So it doesn't matter how much you save or how much you, you know, how good of an investor you are, or if you did a side hustle on the weekend to create some real estate property that you now have income property from. But what they see is, well, wait a minute, are they driving a Denali and do they live in a nicer house than me? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the the second thing I would say is you, you really have to make a decision in, in, and this is between you and, and you know, your creator, the decision has to be spiritually, will I live in lack or want, or will I live in abundance? And we have not because we ask not, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's very clear, like write your vision, make it clear, be specific. I ask every day I get up and I ask all that I have all that I'm going to be, all that I ever will be is yours. So rain down, baby, rain down. Let's rock. Let's move it. Let's go. Let's go. And, and 
it's it's energy it's in motion right we're and the more you do the more you do and so i get really excited about that so bringing it together in these four elements you know getting getting rid of that belief system there's a belief system out there and this is where broken unhappy people live because someday and i see a lot of man i have i've worked with so many pastors that are you know 75 years old and they're just trying to find a place to live now and they're 75 yeah and i'm thinking to myself you gave your entire life for the ministry and and now you don't have a home to live in yeah. and they back in back in our day you know they used to call these things parsonages right you have a parsonage yeah and so i, I was raised in a little farm farm town and we had a parsonage and we paid for that that pastor to live in the parsonage right that was part of the thing but the problem with that is past, pastor never owned anything pastor never got pastor never had a place to live and so when the pastor retired well a new pastor had to come in and live in that parsonage so where does that pastor go and if you're not saving if you're not remembering to take care of this for you um and 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 this is really part of what i would just share we are called to be stewards right good stewardship starts with making sure that you give back you this is not i'm preaching to the choir on this one right but but also that you take care of you and your family and I'm gonna to talk to the heads of households here, right? I am a single parent today. I have an obligation and a responsibility to take care of the people that God has put in my path. And I, and I very openly say that, like, this is my job. My, my job, he gave those kids to me. He gave that mama to me. Mm -hmm. My mom is also a single parent and, and lives, you know, she's, she does not have a lot of resources. And so I take care of my mom, I take care of my people. And part of that is that I'm very mindful of where, where the pennies lead to dollars. It's something my grandpa used to teach me on the tractor, right? Pennies lead to dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And so you make hay when the sun's shining and you put some of those dollars away. You invest it, you grow it, you build it into something. Another area that we talk about is in our emotional side. So there's emotional poverty. And this is the area where we think, well, we're being selfish if we do something different. We're, we're being selfish if we don't do it the same way that we've always done it. And again, I would come back to you, you can't give what you don't have. So you have to start with loving yourself first. And I would tell you that you're walking in disobedience. I know that that's really strong. That's really rough. I know. Take a deep breath, everybody. Have, have a moment. Have a moment with me. Have a moment. But you know, we, if, we're, if we're looking at the vision of who we are and walking in that greatness and abundance flowing through us, I am a representative. I am a representative. And so I will hold my head high, not haughty, but high, and be proud of who I am and whose I am and where I'm going. So emotionally bringing that back together and healing the thing, you know, there's a healing that comes along with that, healing the hurts of the past, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big one for people. Um, but forgiveness, gratefulness, and boundaries, these are like the trifecta of good stuff, you know? And so that's another area of poverty that I see with people and very, very successful people. And look at your donors today. Some of those donors give just, just simply because they feel guilty about what is not right in their life. Yeah. And so you can reach them on a whole nother level. You have a, you have a, it could be a whole lot different, right? Like it, uh, so that that's another area, and then relationally, how we how we live out our relationships. Um, you know, I I don't think you can save the whole world. I don't think you can save the whole world, but I think you can save the little part that you that you've been given access to. Yeah. 
I think, I think when the door is open and you're there from a relationship standpoint and anything of significance starts with relationships. So bringing those four into alignment and saying, what are my wildly important goals for each one of these areas of my life? How I take care of myself physically and mentally, what I put into my head every single day, what am I doing to refuel? And then what am I doing to have that thing that I refueled flow through me to my family, to the people I love, to the people I lead? Cause that should be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, again, am I in oneness? Am I in oneness with my creator? And so, you know, I, I define that as God, you know, whatever you define it as, but for me, it's God. And I believe very strongly, like we, we have not, because we ask not, we need to go to the, we need to go to the father and say, open my eyes to a new idea because just because this is the way it's always been done, doesn't mean that that's the way it should be done. Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been praying for, you know, as long as I've been alive, bring the, bring the fire, bring the rain, you know, transform our world, transform look around transformation has begun and you can either get buried or you can get built during this time so when you look at your organization did you say how do i reach teach and catch the vision and make my heartbeat come through maybe it's through a podcast maybe it's through a you know a youtube video maybe it's through an act of service that you can bring through your organization to the community but man i'm a big fan of knowing the financial basics and then building on each one of these areas as we as we go through because poverty is not just a financial issue it's an emotional issue it's a relationship issue it's a spiritual issue and it's a financial issue and if any one of those are out of alignment it done work it, it just doesn't work it's like having three tires on your car one tire gets a flat you ain't getting very far right yeah same thing yeah, so <laughs> tires on the car we need all four to go yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like my mind is, uh, <laughs> like it, it's so good. I mean, because I think that we do, we spend so much time looking at the dollars as far as like when it comes to poverty that we're like, Oh, like if we just only had a few more dollars, if we only had that one big wealthy donor who would give to our yeah. lives, then, then we'd be set up, then we'd be okay. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people, you know, when I ask them how much they want to raise, you know, how much they want to bring in for their cause. And they give me some number and I'll say, okay, so what happens when you reach that? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, then we got to reach the next number. And I was like, you see how that cycle is exhausting? <laughs> it's yeah. exhausting. And, you know, the way that you're sharing these, you know, four different areas, I think that they're really important because we can be, we can always be in a state of poverty emotionally, you know, relationally, what, spiritually, and no matter how much money we have, it won't make you rich. Yeah. See yeah. that we see that in our donors. Like anybody who has had a wealthy donor of any sort, you get a really clear glimpse into their life. And you just mentioned it earlier. Now, I've been really fortunate in my fundraising that I have met some very, very rich, rich people. Okay. Now, and I'm not just talking about money. <laughs> like, I mean, like yeah. they overflow, overflow with richness in every single one of these four components that you're mentioning. And I'm just like, that is the kind of life that I aspire to have. All right. On that note, 
This is going to be a wrap on today's episode. Uh, we are going to pick up this conversation on next week's episode where Marissa gives us some tangible takeaways, things that we can actually do to take action on the content that she shared today. So be sure to listen back to this episode again, because I think that it's going to be so important for you guys to really grasp what she's trying to share here about how to become and how to create a rich nonprofit. And uh, just, I mean... I, I cannot thank Marissa enough for being a part of the show, for being willing to share her incredible wisdom with all of us. So be sure to check out Marissa's information. She can You can find out all sorts of details about Marissa at marissanielsen.com. So Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, and her last name is Nielsen, N-E-H-L-S-E-N. And of course, I'll make sure to have the link in the show notes for you. Uh, so until next week, uh, stay tuned. We'll pick up this conversation and and uh, wrap up part two of this two-part series. So hope you guys have a great week. Let's go change the world one volunteer and one dollar at a time. 